coming up. A web of doctors, an undercover sting, and the slippery slope to designer babies. From the Daily Mail newsroom, I'm Amelia Hempel, and this is Scoop. A Mail Plus podcast series where we take a look back at some of the Mail's most remarkable investigations. It's not their job to play God like this. And hear from the journalists who got the scoop. I had a quick check on the cameras, saw they'd worked. It was a great relief when it was all done. Investigations editor Tom Kelly has reported on some of the most high-profile crime stories of the past decade. But back in 2018, he got a tip-off involving a suspect group of doctors, which wasn't quite so straightforward. They were offering sex selection for parents. So if you wanted to have a child and you wanted to have a girl or a boy, they were basically medical procedures you can go through to ensure you have one sex or the other. And this is completely legal in the UK. But what we understood was they were using this legal loophole of giving you all those sort of pre-pregnancy tests in the UK and then sending you abroad to places where it was legal or where the law wasn't, so we say, completely enforced, and then come home while pregnant with the right gender, as it were. And then they did do all the subsequent checks and medical care during the rest of your pregnancy back in the UK. The tip-off had come from the Daily Mail's science correspondent, Vicky Allen, who'd heard about a maverick Harley Street doctor offering these IVF services that included gender selection or so-called family balancing. It is completely illegal to do it in the UK, and the uh, fertility watchdog also makes clear you can't do anything to promote or facilitate it. Law is obviously open to interpretation, but the suggestion from the guidelines was that even helping people to go abroad would probably be illegal. Although, as I say, it's, it's always a grey area. And what were the doctors getting out of it? Well, money. It's a very lucrative business. Some people are, for whatever reason, desperate to choose the sex of their child and will pay a lot of money, up to about £14,000, some of the packages we're going for. So how were these doctors getting around the law and doing this so openly? So that was what we wanted to find out. And also we wanted to get a sense of the scale of this, how widespread it is. We wanted to find out how many people involved how much money it was costing, both how many doctors might be taking part in it and and try and get some sort of sense of scale of how many patients and how many um, couples were doing this. The ethical controversy around gender selection has been going on for a long time. So to choose the sex of your child, you'd have to conceive using IVF. Couples provide the egg and the sperm and then the embryo is made in a lab. It's possible to then pick a male or female embryo by removing just one or two cells after around five days and then checking their X and Y chromosomes. So girls will have two X chromosomes while boys will have an X and a Y. Then the correct embryo can be put into the woman to make her pregnant. Doctors are forbidden from carrying out this procedure in the UK, so there had to be something underhand going on here. Well, once we had a, the tip that it was going on, we spoke to our lawyers and said, look, we understand this is happening, but we can't get any more details, or it's very unlikely to get more details if we approach them as journalists, because they, they probably want to keep it secret, given that they're skirting on the edges of the law. So to go undercover, there's uh, three things you have to be able to show to the lawyers. Number one, that the story is in the public interest, and given that this is doctors certainly at the very on the edge of the law and possibly breaking the law, that was okay. The other is that you have some prior intelligence or information this is happening. You're not just going on a fishing expedition. And because Vicky had got a, a firm tip, 
about this doctor. That was satisfied. And the third thing is that this is the only way you can find out this information. And again, when we spoke to the lawyers, they agreed that because these doctors were very much in, a, in, a, in an ethical and possibly even legally grey area, that they are unlikely to just tell us all about it if we went and spoke to them, you know, presenting us as a journalist. So the only way we could really get the sort of granular details was to go posing as a couple ourselves. So that's what we decided to do. So you started off with a Skype call to this first doctor, Paul Rainsbury. Tell me about him. Paul Rainsbury seemed quite a maverick doctor. He was a bit older in his mid-70s, and he strongly believed, or so he said, in parents' freedom of choice. But on the other hand, it was obviously something strange going on. He was adamant that you shouldn't tell your GP about this or anyone else uh, and share the information because it would set alarm bells ringing. No, I didn't want to know who your GP is. There's no reason at all to involve any of your medical care. Well, we, we wondered if we should let him know. Uh, just, you know... Well, it's up to you, but to... my advice in general is don't. So we realised that it was on the one hand he had this sort of, uh, I'll do what I want because I think it's the right thing to do. But the other hand... It was very, very hush-hush and secretive, and especially it really sets alarm bells ringing when you say don't tell your GP about quite a major medical procedure. The other thing is at the end of the conversation with him, we asked, or Vicky asked, are you the only one who does this? And he was quite upfront about, no, there were quite a few other doctors, and gave us the names of several others who, who were doing this. And that's when we begin to realise that this wasn't just a, a one-off sort of maverick doctor, but... It was a, appeared to be a sort of mini industry with quite a lot of people involved in it. So you put in some more preliminary calls. What else did you find out off the back of this? First, after Rainsby, we went to speak to a NHS consultant called Rafet Gazavani, who we were told was also doing this. And he, again, was absolutely upfront about it. He's based at a, a hospital in Liverpool. He's a fellow of the Royal College of Obstetricians and gynaecologists, a member of the British Fertility Society. So he's a very sort of big, respected figure and high profile. He described himself as very, very hard working. But again, he was quite open to the fact that he was making money on the sidelines, helping people get gender selection, choose the sex of their child. On the one hand, he was very bullish, sort of quite self-righteous, seemed to suggest that, you know, I believe everyone has the right to do this. And, you know, he was saying, I'm big enough and, you know, tough enough to stand my own corner. But the other hand, he was quite secretive. He again advised us strongly not to tell your GP. Can I tell our GP about it? We have a good relationship. No, no, no. no. You can say, no, you can, all you can say is you're going for an IVF. And also said quite plainly that if, if my boss, and as well his NHS boss in his hospital, found out that he was doing this, he'd have a little heart attack, was the exact words. My NHS hospital would have a, a little fit if um, a patient going abroad, not just going abroad, but also going abroad to have a possibly gender selection. I think my chief executive would have a little heart attack. So he clearly knew that the practice was illegal in the UK and he wasn't actually doing the gender selection procedure himself. What was his role in the process going to be? He was quite open about the fact that he would do all the medical care while in the UK and also facilitate the uh, arrangement in North Cyprus. He'd arrange for blood tests, scans, smears, so on, while in the UK. And then once the patient came back from uh, North Cyprus, as it was in his case, he would do all the checks subsequently 
in the UK. So a very sort of thorough service he was he was offering. And did you get a sense of the scale of this practice and how much it would all cost? Well, he said that he dealt with about 30 couples a year. He was quite open about the fact that it's popular with couples of Indian heritage who he claimed prefer boys for inheritance reasons. Most of the couples I see, I must say, are of um, Indian background. They are coming for boys. There's a very strong cultural push for it because it even affects their inheritance, etc. if you don't have a boy in the family. Uh, but he said about nine in ten British couples who select sex want a girl. He said he didn't know why, it was just one of those, uh, those things. And for couples who went with it, the scan, screening, monitoring in the UK cost about £2,000 and then another 1300 to up to £3,000 for the medication. And then the fee, once you went to the clinic in North Cyprus, was £7,000. So in all all, you were paying about £14,000. That included flights, hotels and all the rest of it while, while abroad. Wow, so it's not cheap. No, I mean, that's it. It's, it's a very lucrative business. And obviously, the fact that he, just one doctor alone, had 30 people paying for it, realised there was a, a lot of money involved here. So we asked him, actually, would you ever do this in the UK? Would it be possible to do it without going abroad? And he was adamant, no way, not at all. It'd be struck straight off the medical register. The GMC would get involved. It, it would be a disaster. So that made us feel, you know, he, he knew full well that he was involved in something that was clearly against the medical rules and, and indeed against the law in the UK, and yet was helping people to do it nonetheless and making money from it. And the final meeting was face-to-face, a private gynaecologist called Sarah Matthews, who was based at the private Portland hospital. What did you find out from her? Well, she worked in the, the Portland, which is one of the most famous private hospitals in the in the UK. So you realise just how sort of established this was. And she was openly promoting family balancing in a section on her own website. It was actually Vicky, my colleague, went to see her. She told her, yeah, it's illegal here. I send most of my couples to Dubai. We get you ready. And I just let them know when you're coming over. So on the one hand, she was quite direct about it, but she did have a few more sort of ethical concerns about the practices than some of the others. So, Tom, what elements of the story were you finding most concerning at this stage? Because some people might argue, as Sarah Matthews did, that if the technology is available, why shouldn't parents be able to choose the gender of their child? I mean, even some celebrities like Chrissy Teigen and John Legend have been quite open about selecting the gender of their child when they had a daughter. It's obviously a point to debate and for a point for discussion. And then people are entirely fair to say, I disagree with the law in which case you can campaign or try to get it changed. But the fact is, first and foremost, it is against the law, and these are famously doctors who are effectively helping people get around the law and quite openly doing that. The second thing, ultimately, society does need a bit of balance between men and women, not just for, you know, procreation, but just, uh, again, it is a slippery slope. If you, if you start off doing this, even in a relatively small way, you just don't know how you can end up with very sort of unbalanced communities, especially in certain areas of society. There's also the, the point that doctors are making large sums of money out of this, often sending people to countries where things are quite unregulated. And there are couples who are, for whatever reason, desperate to have children, one sex or the other, and will prepare to pay huge sums of money for it. And you feel there's a sort of exploitation of this desperation and, and, and getting people when they're vulnerable, which is uh, unseemly. 
By now, Tom and Vicky had got a pretty good sense of what was going on in the early stages of this gender selection. But the missing piece of the puzzle was going on abroad. They wanted to get a look inside these foreign fertility clinics. But that was going to prove more challenging. So we booked flights to both Crete and northern Cyprus, where the various doctors had said they they were doing it, and found uh, the clinics that were offering the procedure. So we had a plan that we were going to say that we were just on holiday in the area and wanted to arrange a sort of preliminary consultation just to, you know, find out a little bit about it and then, with the legal approval, film the appointment with secret cameras. So this must have been the most nerve-wracking part, using the hidden cameras, because that can be risky, can't it? Were you worried about blowing your cover? Yeah, it's always an anxious time. We had the sort of cameras hidden in our shirts, these sort of very ugly shirts with the the pinhole camera, and Vicky had one in a bag, and we also had a phone case, which is a a camera. So we'd get a few different angles, and also if one broke, we'd have others that were working. But of course, there was obviously anxious that if we got caught, we got found out what we were doing it, that, that there could be serious repercussions, especially a country like North Cyprus, which is a, effectively a sort of rogue state. And the uh, IVF industry is, is a big money spinner, so it's very important to the local economy. So we worked on the assumption they wouldn't be too happy about people putting scrutiny on it and uh, potentially writing bad things about it. So there was always that anxiety that, that if we were caught, <laughs> things would go wrong. Were you worried that they might look into your medical records or Google you or something like that? Completely, yeah. Because medical procedures, doctors have good reason in, in, in most cases to ask you a lot of details about yourself and ask for identification and so on. So we were, we were anxious about that. Luckily, we both got pretty common names and when we sort of set up appointments, we used our middle names so that hopefully if they Googled us, they wouldn't be able to tell who we really were. Tom and Vicky's first stop was Famagusta in northern Cyprus. The town was once one of Europe's most glamorous resorts, filled with luxury hotels and golden beaches. But since the 1974 Turkish invasion of Cyprus, the tourism industry had been left in tatters, and it was known as the ghost town by locals. So, Tom, what was it like when you arrived? The town was pretty quiet, but the clinic was very smart, very modern, and obviously you realise that there's a lot of money in this industry and in an otherwise not-so-lucrative area. And what they do there, they don't just do gender selection, they do a whole range of IVF procedures. So it was hard to tell how many people there are actually there for gender selection. It was very busy when we were there, but many of those might have been there for other things. So were you nervous when you finally went into the clinic? Well, when we first got in, they asked to see our passports. They wanted to take copies of them, which obviously we didn't want to give any details of who we really were. And it was made doubly difficult because we'd flown into southern Cyprus and told them that and then had crossed the border to go to this clinic and they were aware of that so we had to kind of think on our feet and uh, say that oh well we actually got dropped off by uh, Vicky's parents and uh, they've got the passports in the car and they've gone off for lunch with the other kids and so on so we just managed to kind of smooth that over but it was a, a slightly nerve-wracking moment right at the start. And what was their attitude to the procedure? Did they seem to have any issues with what you were doing? They had no concerns at all it seemed. We asked them even a little bit about you know is it, you know, is it legal here? And the, uh, the woman we met, called Jay Caratona, she just said, everything's legal in North Cyprus, so don't worry about it. She was previously one of the clinic's English patient advisors, and she now liaises with people across the world, customers they gather from across the world. And she explained they have centres working in clinics across the UK, in Leeds, Manchester, Liverpool, and indeed in Harley Street. And she just had no qualms at all about what we were planning to do or wanted to do. 
Wow, it makes me feel really nervous as you get deeper and deeper into this medical procedure. How far were you willing to go with the story? Well, we'd been very clear that we were still just at the consultation stage and we just wanted to find out a little bit about how it went on. Of course, it's hard to know. You, as a journalist, you just want to ask as many questions as possible. So we kept asking question after question, didn't quite know when to stop. Unfortunately, they were asking questions too. Uh, so there's one awkward moment when um, the lady said to me, well, we'll need to get a sperm sample from you. And you could do it straight away. And she effectively started trying to usher me into the uh, special room and then said to Vicky, oh, you come with him, and, you know, be helpful. Oh, no. <laughs> How did you get out of that? Well, I, I politely declined, Vicky emphatically declined, and uh, we managed to just uh, <laughs> explain that we were just there just to, to find out the details, didn't any actual checks at the moment. Did you have any other slip-ups, or did the rest of the appointment go all smoothly? Well, the one other moment that, that caused some uh, anxiety and worries was in the middle of it, quite randomly, she just suddenly said to us, are you two married? And I said yes, and Vicky said no. <laughs> and <laughs> I, was, uh, I thought we'd blown it. And then what happened next? Well, we sort of managed to blag it, made a joke that, oh, yeah, we're engaged and, you know, I'm always wanting to get married and, and then immediately started uh, asking questions. But, it, but it, she sort of had this slightly confused look in her eye and, and, and they'd say you're always quite paranoid when you, you, know, you see good filming, so you do wonder. She sort of slightly marked our card or got a number, but seemed to go OK after that. And then you had the double worry of the cameras as well. When you're filming, you can never obviously check if your camera is working and it hasn't frozen until the end. So there's always this anxiety that you might not be actually filming the person completely or either not working at all, or I say you're just getting the ceiling, not the person's face. So afterwards, we left the clinic, went round the corner, had a quick check on the cameras, saw they'd worked and it was just euphoric. Yeah, it was a great relief when it was all done. Next up was a trip to a fertility hospital in Crete, another designer baby centre. Was it the same situation here? It was similar. It was a very sort of professional clinic, quite busy. They were a little more, had ethical concerns. Certainly the, the woman who we first spoke to and took us through to see the doctor seemed pretty disapproving, although still prepared to do it. And even the doctor, when we spoke to him, seemed unhappy of the fact that he was doing it, but was still very clear that he was prepared to do it. And I presume it's because there's a lot of money involved. And both of the same thing, they just want to yeah, balance their family sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, So by the time we'd finished in Crete, obviously spoken to a lot of doctors by now and a lot of different clinics, and we realised this was really a big industry that was going on semi-underground and that there must have been a lot of people who'd probably gone through this and, and chosen the sex of their baby without telling anyone. And so a lot of couples have probably done it without anyone really beyond themselves and, and the, the medics they dealt with knowing about it. Back in the UK, it was time to put the story together. There were testimonials, undercover footage and Skype interviews. Was this enough to run the story, Tom? Well, we also needed to get quotes from the General Medical Council, see what they had to say. You also have to go to all the doctors that we'd been to see to get their right of reply, to say, look, this is what we've done, this is what you've been saying. What do you have to say about it? There was also, when we started digging into the um, doctors involved, and we, rather to our shock, realised that the first doctor we'd seen, Paul Rainsbury, had actually been struck off the medical register just a few days before he spoke to us. Wow. Uh, it was actually for giving out prescriptions when he wasn't allowed to, rather than the, uh, the gender selection. 
but it, you made you realise you know, the sort of people who might be involved in this kind of um, practice. Because it involved subterfuge and secret filming, we also had to go through all of it with the lawyers to check that it passed the public interest test and that we'd just let people talk for themselves. We hadn't uh, actually provoked anyone into to offering this. And what were the responses like from the doctors? Did they deny their involvement? No, they couldn't deny they'd done it because we had them bang to rights effectively, you know, talking about it at length on tape. But they were they were very defensive. They were mostly adamant they hadn't actually done anything illegal. They were stressing the point that they didn't actually do the procedure themselves, that that was done abroad. And secondly, that they believed, in most cases, they believed people had the right to choose and it was up to, you know, ultimately a decision that every couple should make for themselves and that, that they were free to do that. The investigation went to press on the 7th of October 2018, titled Exposed, the NHS doctors cashing in on illegal designer babies with hundreds of British couples paying up to £14,000 to choose the sex of their child. So what kind of reaction did the piece get, Tom? Were there any repercussions? Yes, the GMC, General Medical Council, ordered an investigation, as did the fertility watchdog, the Royal College of GPs condemned it, so they were very alarmed at the idea that doctors had been telling people not to tell their GPs about these sort of significant medical procedures, having IVF. So there was these probes launched. Ultimately, it didn't lead to people being struck off or full hearings, but certainly that these doctors stopped doing what they were doing. But it, and it certainly created a big conversation. We had um, a lot of MPs talking about it. Even uh, 10 Downing Street made a comment they were very concerned about what we uncovered Radio phone-ins suddenly had a huge discussions on it. A lot of more established fertility uh, companies in the UK spoke out against it, and Lord Winston was one of those as well, who, who was uh, very critical that this practice was going on. So it certainly created a large debate, and it certainly led to these doctors that we'd exposed stopping doing it. Whether it actually stopped the practice, I don't know, and it's likely that I think, personally believe it's likely it's still going on sort of just maybe more in secret now than it was previously. And it sounds like the piece really brought some ethical concerns to light for people. Did your opinion on designer babies or parents' rights to choose their child's gender change by the end of the investigation? Yeah, I think what it made you realise that this is just the tip of the iceberg and in an increasingly global world that you can ban something in the UK but people can still go abroad to do it. And when there's a big market for it, there'll always be people willing to exploit that when there's, you know, large financial rewards. And medical tourism is just a huge industry. I think both Vicky and I also felt these highly trained doctors should have been doing something better. And in case of very exceptional medical circumstances, nobody needs to choose the sex of their baby. And the doctors were just taking advantage of sort of people's desperation to have either a boy or a girl to cash in. They can speak out against the law, but not actually encourage patients and help patients get around the law, which is what they were quite openly doing here. It's not their job to play God like this. That's all we've got time for this week, but we'll be back again soon with another episode of Scoop, taking a look behind the scenes of some of the male's biggest investigations. 
Tom is off researching once again, piecing together his next big investigation, and you can read more of his reporting in the Daily Mail. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Amelia Hempel. Goodbye. <laughs>